Hello. Welcome. Good evening. Morning. Afternoon. Noon or night. How are you? This is next to the Zennial. <laughs> I am Stella. I'm Kat. And we are hanging out this evening. We're doing our podcast thing. We are. We have been doing this for three years. We talked a little bit about the fact that uh, our friend Sherry's wedding anniversary was earlier this month, and that is how X to the Senio came to be. That's how we came to be. That's how we I. came to be. Well, we'd known each other, but yeah. But we already talked about them. We don't like each other so much. <laughs> <laughs> but the other thing is that we uh, will be ending X to the Senio soon. It's coming. Yep. It's unfortunately, no, it's fortunately coming. We've had this amazing opportunity to just build a podcast. Yeah. Build a following, build a number of conversations. Develop ourselves as people. For sure. And now that's coming to an end. And it's going to be three years. It'll be three years in July. When did we have the time to do this? I mean, well, one, we, we lived through a pandemic. That's true. Um, but also, I mean, not, neither one of us really slowed down during the pandemic. No. Like, we were super busy. Working, doing stuff and stuff. And right. Um, but yeah, we will we'll probably have two more episodes and then we're done. And then we're finito burrito. And then I will start a new podcast and you will go on to do bigger and better things. I will go on to be silent. I don't know about that. I'm not going to be silent. I just started a second job. You I'm don't do I, silence. I That's know. the other thing. I'll be doing something else. I just haven't gotten there yet. That's fair. So, I did get a request to talk about one of the things we love to talk about, which no, is sex. Let's talk about sex, baby. <laughs> Every time. Um, so, yeah, I got a request to talk about what to do when the passion in a marriage or a long-term relationship kind of fizzles out. Ooh, there's there's options. Granted, now I know this. I didn't know these things in my 11-year-long marriage relationship. But there are things that could be done. There are interventions. Well, and I think there's... Yeah, there's, there's reasons for the fizzle of that sex, but we'll get into that. Absolutely. So one of the things that... Um, certainly, I was married for 18 years total, Um and the, the fizzle <laughs> kind of happened right away um, because I think I've mentioned before, I, I married a human who was non-sexual. Right. And um, I didn't know that at the time. I mean, I, there were indicators. I married a 35-year-old virgin, so that was a big old sign. Um, Might have been a clue, but also, too, could be religious, saving themselves for someone special. There's there's things. Absolutely, there are things. Um, but I, it's one of the things to pay attention to yes. in terms of um, really just recognizing that physical uh, attracted, attraction and drive and libido, all of those things change over time. Hormones. Hormones change, um, you know, attention changes just in terms of like, you know, if kids happen, if big life changes happen. So in the course of a relationship, there are a lot of contributing factors to a diminished libido and certainly uh, sex life. Absolutely. The status of the relationship being one of those and the connectivity of the two partners in that relationship and 
There's a lot. There's a lot. We are in a big onion. There's a lot of layers to this. <laughs> there are a lot of layers to this. And there's certainly a lot to um, kind of unpack. And then uh, I do love that you, you know, kind of talked a little bit about solutions and interventions to be able to shift and change that conversation within a relationship uh, to look towards sustainability. Absolutely. And that's, those are some of the hardest conversations to have in a relationship is what? Money, sex, children, children, death, and death. Those are all big, heavy ones and sex being one of those, but it's so important to begin having a continuous dialogue and conversation with your partner about sex. Yeah. Even if that conversation is, babe, we're doing it all the time and this is great. That's awesome. That's positive reinforcement. But if that's diminished and things have changed, having that conversation of, hey, babe, we haven't really been intimate. We haven't been, you know, very physical with one another. And I've been noticing, you know, I've noticed it to the extent that it's, I've become now aware of this. For sure. And nothing's going on, really. No one's died. Everything's status quo. Everything's good. What's what's going on? Well, and I think that, that there's, uh, you know, like, like we mentioned, there's a lot of contributing factors. Uh, but in a long term, and, and what we're talking about is, you know, relationships two years or more. Right. Unless, I mean, you're in a relationship and everything's great, but the sex is dwindling and you're still like, everything seems great except this part. Well, and, and for some people, it, it is super important to recognize that um, libido changes over time. It does. Um, and so one of the things you mentioned was hormones. Um, hormones change every day for women. Your hormone panel is different from when you were this morning when you woke up. Well, and a lot of that has to do with physical health, but it has to do with nutrition. It has to do with sleep. Uh, it has to do with mental health. Yeah. All of those things are affected by and can affect your hormone production. Absolutely. Um, and then our hormones just change every seven years. They just do. Um, right. And certainly after a pregnancy, that shifts. Um, and then if you're having other, you know, thyroid issues or pituitary gland issues or uh, you know, our bodies and our, our physiology changes consistently as we age. Absolutely. Uh, so that's definitely a contributing factor. Absolutely. And so when clients are having uh, depressive symptoms or, um, you know, non-situational uh, depression, what I often have them do is, is see their doctor to get uh, a full blood panel screening. Uh, to definitely look at hormones and see how that's affecting their mental health. Right. Uh, because it definitely does make a difference. And mental health is another contributing factor to a decreased libido. Yep. Uh, not just SSRIs or antidepressant medication, but when you are struggling with a lot of anxiety or depression, you tend to have less drive to be sexual. Right. Well, those systems are not what are, well, with anxiety, you're elevated, right? You're kind of in that fight or flight status. So your body's not really like, now's a great time for a boner. (laughs) Well, that's the bottom line of it. Your body's elevated and it's working on other things, thinking that you're going to be beaten or attacked or at any moment we've got to run away because something scary is happening. So that energy and those hormones and everything, everything's being put into that anxiety and treating that those physiological symptoms that you're having in response to this anxiety that you're right. having, right? And so, yeah, a boner's not appropriate when a dinosaur is chasing you. 
Fair, but also that part of the um, the cerebellum is also in charge of fucking. So it's a fight, flight, feed, or fuck. And so uh, it's really interesting that it can be hijacked to then shut down the physiology for sexual arousal. Right. Um, and so a lot of times when people are hyper anxious or have an, a higher anxiety response, they do have a struggle to be sexually aroused. Right. And so there are people who kind of get in their heads when it comes to sexuality. And so then they can't function. Right. Um, and so boner being one of them, but also I think for women, we do a lot of multitasking and we have a lot going on in our brains. And so when that happens, we are less interested in connecting because there are so many other things happening right. in our heads. We gotta get out of our head and into our vaginas. <laughs> <laughs> but I also think like it's it's one of the things to to consider when uh, so mental health is a big piece. It's a big um, And if there are situational things that are happening, right. so, you know, you're getting a promotion at work or you're getting fired, you know, you're... Or just there's a lot on your plate at work lately, more responsibility, more duty. For sure. If you are, uh, you know, going to school or um, dealing with uh, parent issues or kid issues... Um, we'll talk about how kids change sexuality in a little bit, but in, in just a regular course of a year, there's a lot of things that can contribute to a diminished libido. Absolutely. Um, and so paying attention to those things. And so when clients bring up, you know, uh, sex concerns or, or concerns about a diminished libido or uh, arousal, those are some of the things that we kind of unpack so that they can be organized and compartmentalized so that that aspect of your relationship can then be more fruitful. Yes. Uh, but it's definitely a challenge when you've got a lot of situational things happening and then you've got some hormonal or, or emotional things happening. It's not going to be your go-to. Right. Right. Although for some people it can be a distractor and they can use that in an unhealthy way. You can um, use the sex as a coping skill. Right. And that's not healthy either. No. That's, um, that's where our sex addicts come from. Because it's the only thing that's making them feel good. Well, sex addiction is is a controversial issue. Mm -hmm. um, because in in as it relates to dopamine and serotonin, um, the, the hit from having sex, as well as oxytocin, um, which I've talked about on the podcast, I admit that I am a bit of an oxytocin addict, um, but I'm, I'm in recovery right now, um, meaning that I will eat random chocolate things to uh, supplement my oxytocin. Uh, I don't even like chocolate all that much. Microdose. <laughs> um, but it is one of the things that uh, the addiction community doesn't always acknowledge sex addiction as an addiction in that same way. Right. Um, but if your sex has become overly, um, what is the word I'm looking for? Like, uh, dangerous, not in a kink kind of way, but in a sex with randos kind of way. Right. Um, or if, if high risk. high risk, thank you. Risky is what I was looking for. Um, also if, if it becomes compulsive, right? Right. If it, it, feels like you need to do it or something bad will happen. That is a compulsion. So the obsession with sex 
and or porn or whatever, and then the compulsion to do it, if those things become kind of out of control, then that's problematic. Absolutely. Um, But using it as a coping skill or looking at uh, what what you can do to maybe have a healthy conversation about it, especially if you were partnered. Right. Um, and I've had to have one of those conversations. All right. I learned skills and shit like that from my experiences. <laughs> so I lived in, uh, in a marriage uh, and relationship for 11 years, and I've talked about that on the podcast. And in that relationship, really the last, like, four or five years was, like, sex you know, twice a year, three times a year. It was just not there, right? Sex deprived. Sex deprived. Um, and so, which is cool. I mean, living like roommates, whatever. Uh, live it, learn it. When I divorced, said won't ever do that again, won't tolerate that. Definitely I need more more physical touch in my life for sure. Right? But it also fucks with your mental health. Like it, it fucks does. with how you see yourself and you treat know. yourself and all the things. It impacted how I viewed myself, how I treated myself because of how I was viewing myself. It definitely was not a mental, it was not mentally good. Right. I will just say it was a mental, really mentally bad, yeah. to be it honest. It mentally fucked with you. It mental, I got mentally fucked, but not physically. Um, and so, yeah, so that was something I just really vowed not to participate or engage in, that I wanted a partner who met my needs in all the ways, and sex is a big priority of yep. that. Like, you get from, and I've said this before, you get friendship and love from your friends, you get friendship and love and family from your family, you have a partner, you get friendship and fucking. Like, that is what needs to be happening in that domain. I know it's really simple and there's way more to it. I mean, but they're the only I people mean, who should be fucking you. That's fair. You can't fuck your family and you shouldn't fuck your friends. <laughs> and if you do, that's cool, whatever. No judgment. But you might lose them as a friend. That's fair. Sex complicates things. So anyways, I digress. So I said I would never do that. Well, I was in a, I'm a long, you know, I'm like a... Serial monogamous. Thank you. Thank you. I was trying to form, I was like, what's the first word? I was like, monogamous. I was like, but there's more to it. Yes, serial monogamous. So I entered into a long-term relationship. About 10 months in, I was like, dang, we're like down to, we only do sex, do the sex like once a month, like twice a month. And I was like, this isn't making me happy. And again, it's because I started getting in my head and not feeling good about myself and not feeling sexy and not feeling pretty and not feeling feminine. It really does. It takes a hit at me, you know, in so many ways. And so I was like, you know what? This is a good human. This is an adult. This is a mature human. I need to have a conversation. And the other, the other challenging bit, as I recall, was that a lot of other, the a lot of other box were being ticked in terms of your needs we're yeah. getting met in all of these other ways, except this pretty significant one right. that you had vowed, certainly from your marriage, that you did not want to go without. Absolutely. So, yeah, thank you for putting that in there. Absolutely. 50% of this relationship was like ab fab perfect at the time. Yeah. So, I was like, here we go. Gotta we're going to have a conversation. So, did the conversation. Said, this is something that's hard to talk about. Need to be open and communicative about this. But this is what I'm noticing. Like, we're diminishing in sex. Like, is there, you know, is something going on? Are you know, is there, are you not attracted to me? I had to ask very hard questions. Like, you know, does this have to do with me? Yeah. 
Or does this have to do with you? Love that. And I think that's really important to parse that out to know what it is because then you're going to get at the root of the relationship. If you sure. had said, it's about you, I'm not very attracted to you, great. I welcome and open that space to have this conversation. That's why we're doing it. Cool. You're not into me. Let's break up so that somebody who is attracted to me will put their dick in me. Sure. Sure. Right? And be my friend. Mm -hmm. And so, but he, you know, said possibly it was about him and like, you know, not sleeping enough. All the physiological things. Sure. Right? Also, too, didn't realize that that wasn't happening, kind of didn't even take stock of it, pinning it, awesome, cool, moving on, will improve. Yeah. Cool. Awesome. Glad we had this adult conversation. But then, so improvement happened mm -hmm. for a month or two, but then improvement went back to where we were at of once or twice a month. Okay. Okay, and I was like, okay, so again have to have that very challenging conversation. Were you initiating at the time? Yeah. The sex? Like you were like, hey, let's do something sexy or I'm wearing this sexy lingerie or let's touch your body and see what happens. Yeah. I okay. was trying. I was trying. But then once it all started tapering off and diminishing again, I realized there's no initiation from this other person. Okay. So this other person doesn't initiate and I'm the one who does all the initiating. That's yeah. why we even do it two times a month. Because okay. I'm the one like, hey, what's up? I'm naked. Right. Let me shake my booty. And so, yeah, so that's how that was going down. But then, again, I was like, I'm seeing the same thing. So I stopped initiating. Well, if I stopped initiating, then there was no sexy time. And I right. was like, okay, like something needs to be done. Have yet another conversation. Sure. Had another conversation, like, hey, you know, I noticed if I don't initiate, like, you don't initiate. Like, is this a me issue or a you issue? What's going on here? Can we talk about this, right? A lot of stress, a lot of things, blah, blah, blah. Didn't realize it. I thought I was doing better. Put a pin in it. Okay, cool. Things did not, from that point, get better. In fact, there they was, got worse. They got worse. There was no pin in it. Attention wasn't called to it. And finally, I terminated the relationship. You yeah. Know? Like, all he did, actually. He said he was not happy. Happy. I tried to initiate conversation number three. Mm -hmm. Right? Like, hey, you know, what's going on here? I'm trying right. to... I care for you, I, all these things, like you're an important human, like this portion of the relationship is magnificent, all the praises, all the good things, but what is going on here? Like there is just no sex chemistry, there's no drive, there's no libido. Don't want to have this conversation again. Okay, then we're going to break up. If that's not something need you can meet, right. then we are going to break up. It is important to me, and what I'm hearing from you is it's not important to you. Right. So, this is not going to be the relationship that we're in. Exactly. Fair. The end. So, it's important to talk about it when you do notice it, to have those conversations, because I could have done that another, I could have done an ele another 11-year relationship. Oof. I know, but did I want to? Right. Would that have been what made me happy? Absolutely not. So I wanted to be in a partnership and relationship with somebody that found that to be a priority as well. Yeah. And, and made that initiative or made the things that are important to me and, initi and initiated them. But I also recognize that in that time, you did a lot of fact checking to be able to manage your own mental health. So you didn't go down that rabbit hole of, I'm not good enough. I'm not sexy. Right. Something's wrong with me. Like all of those things. I wasn't going to chastise myself over something that had nothing to do with me until I was told it was something to do with me. And then I wasn't going to chastise myself anyway. 
Well, and recognize, like, that's your perception, and this, the chemistry or whatever's going on with us isn't working anymore, so now we can be done. Exactly. But I think that the other, the other aspect of that is to really recognize that, you know, you guys were, what was the total on that relationship? Two years. Okay. Two years is is pretty significant. Yeah. Um, one of the other things that I think there's a lot of myths around, um, certainly gender specific libido right and and so the the thought that women don't want to do it and men always want to do it right not correct well that's also not been our experience no i find everyone who doesn't want to do it you don't want to have sex what you asexual come on over here you're so hot let's go out for a while you're real sexually frustrated well and and i think that's that's one of the things that you know we have talked about in terms of our toxic type um for me, it's been emotionally unavailable humans uh, with pro- potentially like more sex drive initially um, and then it tapers off. And, and I've had two relationships like that now, um, which was kind of shocking to me. Not, not shocking. I guess uh, frustrating is, is a little bit more accurate. Um, and since ending those relationships, what I've recognized and certainly... Uh, professionally and, uh, you know, in my personal relationships is that there are challenges uh, because men, again, it's a a myth that men always want sex. It is. Um, They have hormones too. They have stuff on their plate. They have things that distract them. And some men are not wired high sex drive. And some are. And everybody is their own little special Easter egg of uniqueness. (laughs) Well, I think the other the other piece is that it does require uh, conversations, and then it requires interventions. Um, and so the first intervention would be having a conversation very candidly. Uh, and I always talk about you know you don't talk about parenting when you're parenting. You don't talk about sex in the bedroom. Right. Um, those conversations need to happen consistently and over time. And and because our our likes change and our needs change and our attractiveness and attractedness changes. So, you know, we could be all hot and heavy at the beginning of a relationship uh, because it's new and it's exciting and, you know, we want to do all the things. Uh, and then it does taper and that's normal. Right. Um, but to be able to maintain it does take time, effort, consistency, and, and conversation and communication yeah. to be able to say, hey, we used to do this thing that was kind of sexy and hot and we haven't done that in a while. Remember the last time I saw it on your face? It was two months ago. Can I do it tonight? <laughs> well, and being more comfortable with, with talking about sex openly. Absolutely. And I think a lot of times, for whatever reason, either culturally or, you know, religious things or just general shyness, right. um, it may not be as easy a conversation to be like, hey, when was the last time I sat on your face? Or, you know, how do you feel about butt stuff? Or, right. you know, um, I really like it when you go down on me and do this thing. Um, if you're not used to communicating openly about sexuality, having that initial conversation is going to be challenging. Right. If you didn't um, come into your own sexual awareness with open communication, then having conversations about what do you like, you know, if you don't even have an awareness of what you like, that's going to be a challenge. You got to sit down and make a list. 
you got to know what you prefer because when then you do get in the bedroom and then you have the standard squeeze the right nipple, squeeze the left nipple, kiss three times, <laughs> penis and vagina, thrust five times, we're finito burrito. Of course you're going to have a dissatisfying sex life because you haven't told that other person putting their penis in you what you like. Right. You haven't said, actually, I need you to squeeze the right nipple five times. <laughs> Right, and, and I, kiss me the whole time. And I need you kissing me the whole time, and I don't want your penis in me until I tell you to. Right? For sure. Um, that's but you need to be oddly so, specific. I know. I'm being so OCD. So, but, you be, but it's being able to say those things out loud into your partner is such a form of trust yes. and intimacy. For sure. To say what you like. And if that's what you like, if that's the specifics of what you like, what you want, you've got to, one, you've got to be able to identify that. For sure. Because they're just going to do what they think you like. Well, and, and if... That might not be what you like. If their only education is, like, porn and locker room talk and one night stands or whatever, um, then there's not a whole lot of intimacy in those exchanges. Yeah. And so at the beginning of a relationship when all of the hormones are hot and heavy and, and we're really excited and we make out all the time and all of those things. And then we, you know, we, we go away from each other and we go to our own homes and whatever, like, and I'm talking about adult mature relationships, but in, in the beginning, there's all this excitement, right? There's all this buildup. And, you know, once you're living together and you're paying bills and you're talking about, did you take the trash out? And, you know, is your mother coming over for dinner? Then you're going to lose some of that initial passion, right. which is supposed to happen. Right. The next piece is going to be, you know, having conversations about, you know, do you watch porn? What are your opinions about porn? What kind of porn do you like? Do you masturbate? Can we masturbate in front of each other? You know, can you watch me get off so that you know where I like to be touched or what I like when I'm doing that? Um, if you don't have that, even that awareness, then yes, it will be a struggle to have initial conversations, let alone uh, multiple conversations over time. Right. So I do encourage clients to, you know, if they haven't had a whole breadth of experience masturbating, that's a good place to start. Mutual masturbating is a great thing. It's a fun activity. It's something to do together. Watching porn together, also really fun to do if porn is your thing. For some people, that's not the case. Um, but even just, you know, there, there are a lot of like fun dice games or card games or, you know, there's a sexy twister, I think. You can um, go to the sex shop together. Going to the sex shop together is awesome. Spark conversation and dialogue and help and puts you both in a space where you can be like, oh yeah, see that? I've always wanted to try that. Oh really? Okay, great. Let the conversation happen organically. You don't have to sit down for coffee. Right. You know, you'd be having coffee and be like, you want to go to the porn shop after this? Oh, all right. And go! Right. And then let the conversation happen as you explore the shop together. And I think those are really important initial, you know, kind of getting to know you things. Mm -hmm. As important as, you know, planning financial happiness and, and do, are you a saver or are you a spender? You know, what do you believe in terms of parenting? What are your uh, faith beliefs? Having a conversation about sexual 
behaviors and attractiveness and things that you like and experiences. Sex and your sex expectations. Sex expectations in are our big. relationship. For and sure. So my current boyfriend and partner, that's what we did, you know. Well, I think three weeks into dating, we hadn't had sex. We had a big old three, four hour conversation about sex before we even had sex. I love that. To make sure that we could communicate about it. I said what my needs are. He said what his needs are, what our sex expectations were. Well, even like sex experience is important too. And I think people get caught up in like whatever happened before now. And, you know, it can be intimidating if one partner is more sexually um, experienced than the other. uh, Or if someone has had, you know, multiple partners or, you know, a lot of different kinds of sex. Uh, That can be really intimidating, but it's also important to have an understanding of what those things are. Right. Well, and check that out before you engage in a relationship with someone. You know, if you're flying through the relationship channel and jump in bed, don't have the conversation about sex, two months later it comes up, person you're sleeping with has had sex with 200 partners and you're just not okay with that, that's going to add a layer of resentment there. You're already having sex with that person. Or insecurity. Yeah. That's the other thing. And so that that leads me to the next piece in terms of changes over time in relationship. Um, Because when we get, again, in the early stages of relationship, there's a there's a broad attractiveness, right? Attractedness. We are attracted to the other person. We love their physicality. We love how their brain works. We love, you know, how they are with their family or whatever. Um, and then things change over time. Yep. Um, and so, you know, we can go through a job loss. We can go through a, a, a period of grief. We can go through... Uh, a, a health situation. Yeah. There's a lot of things that can change a physical body and then can change attractiveness, not least of which is pregnancy. Yeah. Um, and there's a lot of things that come up with growing a human in your body. No. Um, and so it is, it is important to, one, if, if you are just looking at a body and finding that attractive or not attractive, uh, that's a conversation because yeah. you could really love somebody and have a lot of affection for them and then not be attracted to them after a certain point. Exactly. Um, because so bodies change for sure. Genuinely care so deeply. We give a kidney to the person, but not attracted to them. And that's, that it's happens. important to say those things out loud yeah. and it can be very hurtful to hear, but I would much rather know that. then, you know, just let the sex dwindle and then you're looking for your needs to be met outside of the relationship. Right, because you're lacking in intimacy. Well, you, and then you, well, and even though you love that person and cherish that person, that intimacy isn't there that is pair bonding you together. Absolutely. And without that there, then it's the drifting and the apart and the resentment even can build. And then you can start this very toxic cycle of resentment to the other person and that's on both parties like the parties like I love this person I cannot tell them I'm not attracted to them they'll hate me while you're also not being intimate with them and you're not fulfilling and filling their cup well and they're they've got their own things going on in their own mind and and if you're you know and we talked a little bit about it in terms of uh in our jealousy podcast when we have our own insecurities there's a lot of contributing factors to why someone would you know, 
be looking outside of the relationship or even just looking at other bodies and other humans. Like, you know, monogamy is one way of doing it, but ethical non-monogamy or polyamory or all of those things are other ways, but they require conversations. Yes. You know, because if one party is not aware that you are making those choices for them, that's detrimental to building a trust-filled relationship. And, you know, those are things that change. So certainly with pregnancy, um, in my experience, working with postpartum um, and um, peri, perinatal, uh, so during the pregnancy as well as after, um, after giving birth, um, it is a lot, there's a lot going on in a woman's, not just making a human, like their brains change, their brain chemistry changes, their hormones change. So that definitely affects intimacy and connection. Right. Um, and so I love that you brought up other forms of intimacy because penis vagina is not the only one. Right. Um, but you know, making out, sitting on the couch together, holding hands, um, you know, dancing in the kitchen, butt touches, like all of those other ways of connecting continue to build that oxytocin, that pair bonding. Um, but it is important to talk about what you like and don't like what your expectations are before we get to that place. And that doesn't always happen. And I recognize, um, that, you know, sometimes things move a lot more quickly Mm -hmm. and then we're having to have these conversations after the fact. Um, but it is important to, again, start those conversations in the early stages of a relationship, um, so that you are able to have your own expectations and communicate those with the partner, um, so that they are able to then have an understanding of not just how your body works, but how your brain works, how your emotionality works, all of those things. Right. Um, the next piece would be like significant changes within your relationship not just your relationship with your partner, but like losing a parent, having a sick parent, having a chronic illness, all of these things also affect sexuality. Absolutely. And so really kind of thinking about how, you know, if if you're and you know, even life changes like moving and, um, getting fired or promoted or, you know, and our lives are so dynamic. That's the thing, though, is we're, most people don't have a stagnant every day, 24-7, 365, always the same. There is right. always going to be something that is going to happen and that is going on in your life, but you've got to learn to mitigate that. Well, and even you've just... you've got to learn to listen to your body. Mm-hmm. And if you're, you know, usually it's your partner who notices your libido. It's not right. typically the person who notices... Yeah, because if your brain is, is engaged in other things, then that's really not something you're paying attention to. Right. So I think, too, you know, part, part of this message is to be open and receiving if your partner is initiating a conversation like that. Because there could be something physiologically wrong with you and you wouldn't even have known. Right. You'd have just been like, yeah, I just feel tired all the time. Well, your partner's like, hey, we haven't been having sex. Oh, I've just been tired all the time. But then, hey, we haven't been having sex. I just feel tired all the time. Honey, you need to go get checked. Boom, you find out you're sick. Or you never go get checked and you just... You could have low testosterone. Like, you could have a thyroid issue. I mean, there are a lot of things. And so... You could have high cholesterol. That actually lowers libido, too, I've heard. Well, and it also lowers performance That's if you're nice. having uh, vasodilation or difficulty uh, getting an erection. Right. That's what it is. 
I yeah. knew there was some correlation blood pressure. between cholesterol and blood pressure and your heart function and you're getting your bomber on. <laughs> <laughs> We're just going to call it an erection. Um, but I, yeah, those are things that all of, all of those are contributing factors. Um, but one of the bigger things that I've definitely noticed is if there's a lot of stress happening, mm -hmm. um, it's, it's not your first priority. No. Right. And so, you know, if you're in graduate school, if you're dealing with job changes, if you're, um, you know, you're having family dynamics that are challenging, all of those things are going to affect libido. Mm -hmm. And so I love that you brought up that over time, you wouldn't necessarily notice until the other person is like, hey, we haven't spent intimate time together. Right. You know, or uh, we, you used to initiate sex a lot more and um, I just, is something going on? Is it a me issue? Is it a you issue? Right. Is it an us issue? Right, is there something... Am I missing something here? Well, and certainly with like little kids, um, it's difficult to get away and have time to, you know, just be adults together. Right. You can't even take a shit by yourself when you have kids that here. <laughs> so, so I've been told. Um, I poop with the door open, so <laughs> it's not an issue for me. Um, but it, it is an opportunity uh and initiation is interesting because, again, it's one of those myths that, like, men always want sex, so they're always going to initiate. Right. Um, again, that has not been our experience. Um, and you and I are both forward women who have high sex drives. Right. And so we tend to be the initiators. Right. Um, and both of us have played that little game of, like, well, if I stop initiating, let me see what will happen. Yeah. Um, and both of us were, you know. Correct. Yeah. Well, we were the only ones doing it. We're all Well, and, and even, you know, at, at a certain point, masturbation becomes perfunctory. Like, it is definitely not the same orgasm. It is not the same experience. Like Because from sex, you get the intimacy. You can't get that intimacy from sexing yourself. I mean, no. you're loving yourself. There's self-loving yourself, caring. You're, you're doing a lot of really good things by masturbating. So I'm not sure. knock, knocking masturbation at all. Like, at all, at all. But you can't get that same level of that physical touch and physical intimacy that is so different and so needed to some people for that connection with your partner. For sure. That is, it's a need. But it's also, I mean, one of the things that um, we talked a little bit about self-soothing in one of our podcasts, mm -hmm. um, but since I've been single for a while... Um, there was definitely an oxytocin dip, like, what the word? Withdrawal? <laughs> there was a diminished oxytocin delivery system. Um, but, uh, yeah, I was, I was definitely missing that. And I think in dating, dating, I'm using air quotes, because um, really at the end of the day it was like hooking up. Um, I was using it as a self-soothing tool. Mm -hmm. Um and there's, there's a lot to be said for the uh, energetic hygiene in terms of having, for myself, a lot of random sex. Mm -hmm. um, it's, it's exhausting. Yeah. Um, I don't like the idea of like having to prove my worth and value outside of my sexuality. Mm -hmm. um, because I've, I am a sexual human and I have never really had a problem with 
um, connecting with people and, and attracting humans to have the sex with. Um, but since stopping that particular activity, Mm -hmm. uh, which has been, it's been, I think going on five months now. Mm -hmm. Um, I have definitely noticed two things. One, I have a lot more energy. I have a lot more time because I'm not going on dates or having sex with even my team from before. Um, and I, I have to work a little bit harder at, maintaining my own levels of oxytocin. Yeah. Uh, and so I mentioned before, like, eating chocolate. Um, I actually made chocolate-covered wheat thins mm. um, because my daughter had brought me some chocolate-covered graham crackers that were delicious, delicious, uh, but they have too much sugar. So wheat thins, covered in dark chocolate, actually really good. Give it an A+. <laughs> um, but supplementing my oxytocin in that way, right. um, and then making time for my friends, um, it's it's definitely been a journey. It's been a challenge because uh, my normal is even even when I was married in my open marriage, I had I've talked about the team. Um, I was having sex at least once a week, mm-hmm. um, which is not enough, but it's fine. Right. Um, and so now I don't have that. Um, but I feel better, which is interesting. Huh. Uh, and so part of the, I think it's just like the recovery process of not having the level of sex that I was having before. Right. Um, but definitely having more quality encounters uh, with humans that I have a lot more in common with. Uh, and then there's sustainability in, in that relationship dynamic. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, that's our time. Let's keep talking about sex, masturbation, penises and boners and vaginas. So the takeaway is... Oh, sorry. I just got like on on air Tourette's. Yeah, you did. That was interesting. Um, Initiate conversations early and often. Um, Comfortable talking about it. Practice with yourself if you don't feel comfortable saying... The words for genitals out loud that I just said. If you have Tourette's, like, that's one way to do it. Um, the other thing is to know yourself. Know your body. Know your wants. Know your needs. Know your drives. Know what you, turns you on. Be able to communicate that. And, and you know, to your point, Kat, like, you may not want to have that conversation with your partner right away. Right. But maybe have the practice conversation with your best friend. There or be know. like... How do you talk about sex? Have conversations about sex that are lower stakes so that you can start to feel comfortable having those conversations. Absolutely. Be willing to try new things, you know, going to the sex shop, having sex in a car, you know, having sex in in random places or whatever. Try giving oral again. Maybe you didn't like it when you did it the first time to somebody. Or or maybe have trauma around it or maybe like there's a lot of things. There are, but different person, new environment, try new things, talk about them, try them. And I think that's the other thing is that you know, there's a lot wrapped up in sexuality, and it, and we are talking about um, low stakes situations. Right. There are things that are trauma related yes. around sex for sure, um, and and certainly um, even in in relationship dynamics that have trauma around them, uh, sex could be used as a weapon. Sex could be you know sexual assault. All of those things can limit someone's sexuality. 
And when we are in the initial stages of relationship, those things don't come up. It's when we, when everything feels normal and calm, that then those kinds of responses can be issues. So we definitely recommend like talking to a professional, but also talking to your partner as honest as you want to be. Because that's the other thing about trust and intimacy is you have to feel comfortable in the relationship that you're in to be able to have these conversations. Right. And so that's the, the most important piece. Absolutely. Anyway, hopefully we've been able to give you some helpful tools and tips and tricks. And at the very least, you've heard Kat say boner several times. <laughs> Y'all have a good one. <laughs> we will talk to you soon. Uh, X to the Zennial, the letter X, number two, X-E-N-N-I-A-L at gmail.com. Um, if you want to suggest any topics or things in our next two podcasts, um, please reach out. Um, and if you want to follow Luna underscore X2 underscore LLC at um, Instagram, um, the next iteration of podcast things will probably be initiated there. Woo-hoo. Very exciting. Take care.